0: Alright, welcome to You Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: And we have McKinnon on as a guest
1: again. What's up?
0: And we're uh, circling back to kind of maybe do another Pixar movie we've done Up before, and we're talking about Inside Out today. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do this one. Uh, it's directed by Peter Doctor, who, who also did Up, and it's also directed by Ronnie Del Clareman. I said that with no confidence, but she is the she was the co-director <laughs> of this. Uh, Inside Out was released in 2015. It had a budget of $175 million. It made $858 million. Like, this was wow. a monster hit. It was a it, very well received. It's
1: very surprising.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, this will be maybe another spicy episode where McKenna and I, it, I, I think we both really like this one, and it maybe didn't hit the same way for you.
1: Yeah, it's not that I don't like it. It's just not... It's not as likable.
0: Right, so before we get into it, this is what I did when we talked about UP. I want to talk about the short that came out before it. So I saw this movie when I was in Dubai. I was on deployment and uh me and a bunch of my buddies got together and we went and watched this, which I think is kind of funny. A bunch of navy dudes like, let's go watch a Pixar movie. And so the uh the short is called Lava and it's the volcanoes in it are based on Hawaiian musicians named uh, Israel Kamakawiwo Ole, uh, but he goes by Iz. So that's how I'm going to refer to him from now on.
1: Well, isn't he the one that did Somewhere Over the Rainbow?
0: Uh, but no, Calvin, Yeah, you, you are right. He's like the the more famous rendition of Over the Rainbow. He did that as well. Isn't uh, that the
1: original? I thought that was the original.
0: You know what? I I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But I know that if you look it up, it's he's the one who sings it. And uh, his wife Marlene is uh, represented by like the the female volcano in it, and uh, there was a little bit of controversy on uh, on, on um, Tumblr about it. They're like, you can tell that she's a woman volcano because of her body shape <laughs> and her long hair, and you can only tell he's a man volcano because the song says so. And <laughs> other people like rushed into that thread to be like, no, it's based on like these real musicians, these real Hawaiian musicians, and he's a little bigger, a little overweight, so it makes sense. And I thought the the point was more to capture the kind of joy that he had as a musician. And that's why he's kind of a big, happy volcano, you know. It wasn't meant to be like, a, how do we anthropomorphize volcanoes? <laughs> <laughs> it is
1: interesting, though, that they care about the body shape of the woman's and not of the man's.
0: Yeah, I think the idea was like, we know it's a man be- just because, but we have to point out she's a woman because of the shape, which was not the point of this. It was just to celebrate these two musicians who meant a lot to, like, Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian music. And I loved this... Uh, this short a lot that song lava me and my buddies on deployment we probably played it every single day following (laughs) the uh us seeing that in theaters it was a staple in the shop that we worked in so i had a lot of fun with that short um Again, I just like to start these episodes with uh, recognizing what kind of came before the actual movie. Um, and I love that uh, that short.
1: It's probably my favorite one. Yeah,
2: it's really cute. It's probably the short I think about the most. The that, one I
1: think about the most. Well, I'm sorry. What?
2: That or the chess short in the oh, beginning of Bug's Life. Bugs- I, I think yeah. about that one all the time. <laughs> that one's wonderful.
1: My, my favorite one is Lou. And I know I mentioned it in, in the Up episode. That one makes me cry. Yeah. That one's so good yeah like with think... the with the backpack that like for the lost and found right right and the bully oh man that one gets me every time
0: mm. so mckinnon i want to know what is your uh, first impression of inside out
1: i have
2: always enjoyed this movie i think it is adorable i think it is incredibly funny and i think that the uh, message of this movie is really well delivered
0: yeah no I, I agree with you i think it's i think it packages what it means and what it's saying really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's
1: hear what Calvin thinks. I'm ready to, first Ready to hear how wrong I am. Oh great. Well yeah you're very wrong. Okay. So I think you you're getting I think this movie gets at what you're talking about. Um I think there is some level of an enjoyment to be had here. I think there is a funny element. The problem I have with this is that I don't think it delivers on the message that it's trying to say. It it kind of it kind of talks about like how sadness can be important, but the movie just derides sadness the entire time. And at no point and even at the end, like she's still the butt of uh, of the joke, even though we've understand the, the purpose of sadness. So the other problem I have with this is that it's generally like the characters are really flat. They're archetypes, but we want to give them we want to give them arcs, like character arcs. And that's that's confusing to me and not not helpful. And just the fact that you bring in the family all the time. It's very it's very muddled. Um, For how short of a movie it is.
2: So I remember when we talked about Up and we mentioned Inside Out, you you brought up the fact that they are just Archetypes and you say that like it's a negative, but isn't isn't that the point of the characters is they are one note archetypes?
1: Yeah, well that that's the thing is like then how do the how do you actually incorporate uh, a character arc into an archetype when they're meant to only be one thing and the movie returns to the fact that they're archetypes at the end. Even though they learn a lesson about each other, they're still playing up these this fact that th- that's where all of the heart of the movie is supposed to come from, I think, is from the relationship of joy and sadness. But it's still also the, the point of the comedy. So they they work in, in opposition to each other. And then the fact that you have them constantly really reflected in the uh, the humans in the movie, which I feel are just distracting. I don't, I don't think they add an element that a necessary element to this movie. If you did, it should just be the child. The the parents are only there for the one for the one joke where you can see that everybody else has a control center. Otherwise that joke would be really out of place. But that's all. I I feel like this movie gets gets close for bringing in this idea of of sadness being an important emotion, but it ultimately says that it's just an element and only only briefly.
0: No, I, um, McKenna, I thought that was a great question, the idea of when do archetypes function well in a story and when do they not? And I think that you could, I probably agree with both of you in a little bit because I think you need it to be an established archetype to understand what the story is and what the message is. But I do think Calvin might be right a little bit that it really lacks the nuance of uh, the relationships that develop between these characters because it is just a one-note archetype. So I, I, I like that. that was a, That was a really good question. That was some really good insight. I struggle with how I think about this movie because I have a lot of nostalgia surrounding it. Like I said, I saw this on deployment with a bunch of my really close friends. And every time I watch this movie, I, I hearken back to those times. And I remember that we were our own little family out there. And I had a I got to have like a really good time and form this memory with those guys. So when I try to look at this movie more critically, I need to realize, like, does this movie meet me emotionally where I'm at? Which is the reason I find this movie to be to have impacted me in the way it does. I think it's a story about growing up and understanding your emotions. And a big part of that is dealing with sadness and how do we how do we incorporate that into our lives and how do we grow from it? And so for me, part of growing up, I definitely felt like there was a time where I kind of like shut down and I had struggle feeling emotions. So this movie really met me where I was at in terms of like uh, in events that had happened in my past. And I think that's a thing that Pixar either does really well for some people because it resonates with you Or it's just kind of a good movie that didn't like really impact you. So I think I can understand where Calvin's coming from. Like maybe it didn't hit you in that way. And it just impacted me in a way that was it resonated with me more. And so that's why I I got a lot. I got a lot out of this movie and I really liked watching it. All right. So let's move on to the aesthetic of this movie and like how does it look? How does it work? Uh, Calvin, what do you think of uh, the look of this film?
1: Yeah, I know I take like really hard lines for uh, criticism. Um, but there's a lot to like here. It's a really cool environment that they've set up. This is the way your mind works. This is the way emotion works in this little, uh, control center as like a metaphor for children to understand, like these things are always in competition to, to influence your perspective of the world. So that's really cool. I feel like they could have done a lot more. It's really, really sparse. Um, another thing that I find strange in like what you were saying, like with the way that they created the up, uh, s- setting in the jungle it's very boring it, there's not a lot going on there it feels like kind of repeated shots over and over again like we're seeing the same
0: jungle the same rocks all that stuff but yeah I, and i get that it does it is at least the uh opening of the movie they're in the control center and there's not there's no change to your environment and i think you probably run into that same problem throughout the movie it's a lot of uh, kind of uh, big big shelves full of memories and i think you you're probably right you run into the same elements that you're getting a repetition of imagery.
1: Yeah, and it's there, and it's all like spread out. I, want, I wanted everything to be just kind of congested because that would make a lot more sense. Like that the big, empty void thing is, it doesn't really work for me. I w- I'd rather things just like kind of fade out, or like they go like into some nether world. Um, putting like the spire of the control center in the, the middle of this void is a really weird aesthetic choice that I don't think works for me. You know what I mean? I guess it seems like it's separating how we really
0: act and what governs our emotions and actions is separate from all of the cognitive ability that we have, like having that chasm between it. I guess it's like visually kind of separates the two when all of those things play a role in everything we do at all times, really.
1: Yeah. And my problem with it is that really all the entire human experience is memory. Without without memory, it's you can't build in anything on top of anything. Uh, you can have a personality trait that just uh, like if you imagine someone with a uh, no long term memory, they're just constantly emotions just processing things like the real human experience is building um, perceived emotions or uh, perceived memories. Because a lot of times our our memories are not very uh, cohesive, but it's this idea of building blocks of perceived memories on top of perceived memories. And that's how we form opinions and actions. They're much more interrelated than this movie makes it out to be. And it's more of like a personal thing for how I would describe what I think the the brain would be like. A lot of you've seen other cartoons where it's just a lot of moving parts all on top of each other. Or I it's think SpongeBob like, pulling out a bunch of files at we, of the we forgot his name. Yeah. It's all on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That maybe SpongeBob has really affected my view of like what a kids' movie should be for that reason. But yeah, I feel like that that would be like. They should really be like, they're not off in some ivory tower. They should really be on the date. The emotions should be a day-to-day part of the function of, uh, of the brain. Like that's one, one part of why I don't think that this movie looks as interesting as other Pixar movies. Like think of Andy's room, having all of these elements all together.
0: I guess you're right. Like, uh, like when you're on the train of thought, like joy is probably involved in some of those things. Like, oh, I'm, I'm lost in this thought of, you know, will I become as all-star basketball players someday so it kind of makes sense that they should they should operate more in the like you said the day-to-day operation of our cognition i kind of like that idea a lot one thing i want to ask that is probably way too dense would you guys be interested in seeing a pixar version of this movie that deals with like pathologies like how would this world look if it was like someone with alzheimer's or something in it i think that would be like that's an interesting way to look at this film after you've stepped back and you like kind of have this imagery in your head I think that'd be neat to, to see something like that. Obviously, too dense for like the audience this movie is made for. Too dense for eleven-year-old kids.
1: Yes, yeah. I don't know. That's I an mean, interesting I idea. Mean, I like that. I mean, obviously, Up is about suicide, so I feel like you. Could oh my do god! A stop off. it! <laughs> stop it! It is not. <laughs> Absolutely is. Absolutely, go back to our very long-winded, curse-ridden episode. Of up and Yule, <laughs> You know, your eyes might be open, and you're mostly because of out of shock, not necessarily because my opinion is like I can't believe they just said that. I
0: still love it. My family still be. They still tell me like Calvin thinks su- up is about suicide.
1: Oh, I was, <laughs> I was, so re- I was ref- referring to uh, Jane's uh, talking about um, Scottish tweets.
0: Oh my god, that too.
1: Yeah, that uh, dropped some some choice words that we're, <laughs> we're going to avoid in this uh, this Pixar uh, review.
0: But again, I, I just like the idea of the, just the imagery of the brain and how emotions operate within it. There, there's a cool bit where you see all the shelves that memories are on, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of interweaving and moving around. And those are meant to represent uh, gyri and sulci, which are, are basically, those are the, the structures of the brain. So, like, gyri are the raised portions of your brain, and sulci are, like, kind of the caverns in between. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the mem- memories are only like kind of those like weaving around patterns. It's to represent like that pattern that appears anatomically in your brain. And I know that's not a very exciting thing, but I just wanted to, you know, strut my anatomical knowledge because that's what I've been schooled for. So I, I couldn't avoid uh, bringing that up. But I think it's cool
1: representation in, in this movie. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, that, 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 that little design choice is nice.
2: I really like the aesthetic also. I, I love that every time they go to a new location, it's it's wrapped in a couple of funny jokes
0: oh right like I love every the, uh,
2: other line in this movie is a joke about a location
0: i love the the bit about abstract thought it yeah. Comes, yeah i think it's so funny that's <laughs>
2: such a funny part and then they go to like the place with riley's dreams and they're like what's that and it's like that's her dream boy I would die for Riley.
1: <laughs> it's so good. I do love that, especially when uh, Joyce starts making copies of all of them. Yeah. I would die. I would die. I would die for Riley. She's and they got like tip a... over
2: and it's like, for Riley. <laughs>
0: I love it. She's got like a bag of holding from D&D. Yeah. <laughs> she can just take as much, like hold as many Riley boyfriends as she can. Yeah, like, that's it's great.
2: It's funny. They They take like all these common things that we say, like train of thought, and they put it in the movie and they're like what are these? These are facts and opinions, but they get mixed up sometimes. And it's like, there there's so many jokes in this movie and they all land for me. And it's because they're, they're wrapped in funny. Um, they're delivered so well in the world building. And I value the world building in this movie really highly.
0: Right. I love the, uh, the triple mint gum joke. The, oh it my just God. Keeps that's so it's great. So yeah, it's so funny. So that's why I think this movie still, whether or not it hit you emotionally the way that the directors and the writer and the characters are meant to, I still think there's enough funny parts in this that it's still enjoyable. Like this is certainly to me, not a bad movie, whether or not it impacted you the way it impacted me. And that's, that's part of why I think
2: this movie works so well. Calvin did you, you you obviously didn't resonate with this emotionally like Connor and I did you find it funny at least
1: Oh yeah no I still find it funny I still find it enjoyable it mm-hmm. still has a lot of that Pixar charm um mm-hmm. when we get to themes and and message I'll I'll exp- I'll flesh out a little bit more of why I feel this missed the the message but uh I do feel like yeah there are there are a lot of wonderful jokes like like the triple didn't come joke is amazing especially like it has the the Pixar comedic timing where it's just like something very serious or sad or emotional, and then suddenly, like, yeah, Tripleton Gum starts playing. Right, so that's great. It's yeah.
2: I think it's because this is like such a weird movie for Pixar to do. Like, what's going on inside of a teenage girl's head? It's it's kind of they can do some funny jokes with that.
1: Yeah, and I feel like. More of my problem with the world building is that everything becomes then a hero's journey for uh, joy and sadness. Like mm-hmm. we have to go through, you know, like uh, the uh, the swamp. We have to go through the underworld. We have to go through... Um, uh, and do these these items in order to get the key to get back to uh, uh, out of the underworld. It's all of these like like yeah, they're they're elements of the brain. They're little fun metaphors, but I think they work better as momentary jokes. Like the the facts and opinions. The whole abstraction thing was a little bit too long. It felt like a plot point at that and not a joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Interesting. It's not, it shouldn't have been an obstacle. It should have been something that they mentioned, like this is a part of like the brain and how it works. But in real, in reality, like the whole, even though we're concerned with Riley's uh, journey as a preteen in a new school, the movie is really about the journey through the mind of these emotions. So before we get too
0: deep into the emotions and what we think they mean in this movie, I wonder what you guys think of, The characters and how they're rendered I actually think this is one of the better animated movies that Pixar's done I compare a lot of Pixar movies to Luca which came out six years after this and I understand it didn't have the same kind of budget or intent behind it to be a big release because this was put out on Disney plus but I think Inside Out is rendered so much more beautifully than Luca is there's a big part of the design of the characters where it's kind of like they have like that fuzzy outline to them. Yeah. Which apparently was intended to just be for Joy. And then when it got to like Peter Doctor, he was like, "Oh no, put it on all of them. That's great." And apparently the visual effects team was like, "Oh fuck. Uh- <laughs> we have to do it for everyone." So that's like a part of the animation of this movie that I think works really well. Also, this is like Pixar has absolutely nailed hair. I thought it looked great in this movie.
2: Oh, it looks so good. It always, it bothered me that Joy's the only one with the glow. And I guess it makes sense because she's Joy. She's happy. She's supposed to be shining and stuff. But I always wish that the other emotions also had
0: some sort of glow. Mm. Do you want to know that she's also the only character in the movie that doesn't have a shadow? Really? Yeah. If you go back and look through it, like even, I went back and looked on the train, when they're on the train of thought, and they're all in there, and it's it's dark and everything. But the whole car... Is lit up around her, like she doesn't Mm -hmm. have a shadow. you think it's because they
2: forgot to add the shadow?
0: (laughs) No, I think it's intentional. (laughs) But that's just a fun little aesthetic choice, and I I just think it's 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 rendered really well and it looks really well. Uh, I love the idea of joy as she moves about. It's like she's ice skating, which is like a personification of Riley as a hockey player, which is another reason why I love this movie because I love hockey. So if you can work that into any movie, it's going to get points for me. So I just love I, I love how this movie's animated. I think every character's movements kind of represent the emotion they're trying to portray as well.
2: Yeah, like anger. When anger walks, it's very much like a stomp, stomp, stomp kind of right. and, robotic and, animation. And, like he doesn't have knees or something.
0: <laughs> and disgust is always like flipping her hair like she doesn't have time for this right. or anything like that. So I And, and uh, fear is always kind of very cautious as he moves about. I, I just think it's animated really well, and I, I can appreciate that moving forward into this film. So another thing I wanted to bring up is Do you guys think there are emotions that are missing from this movie? And I want to bring up a little bit about uh, kind of the creation of this film. And the creators had considered 27 different kinds of emotions. Um, They ended up obviously settling on joy, sadness, disgust, fear, and anger. Some of the ones they had considered were surprise, pride, and trust. I have a little trouble with trust because I think it's not something you feel. I think it's something you do. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I, I think of how... it.
1: I think of it as a feeling.
2: Well, you say I feel trusting. You don't say I feel trust. The same way you say I feel joy. I feel anger. It, to right. me, it's
1: an act. Like I trust yeah. you. I also don't. But I think you know, that's you've... a feeling, though. I think that that really like trust comes from the from. Um, it's a biological feeling of like whether I implicitly know what you're going to you say is what you're going to do
2: i don't i don't wake up in the morning and say man i feel i feel trust today
1: exactly because you already feel it you it's not a it's not a conscious thought it's something that already is happening like you're yeah. not you're not concerned about like um whether your partner is going to cheat on you because you have this feeling of trust around them it's not something you have to think about i think it's a combination of emotions that lead to the
0: act of trust like i feel comfortable this with this person I feel no fear with this person, therefore I trust them. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and I, and I agree. That's why they boiled it down to 5 is because really you're talking about a branching um, you know, you here's your level of 5 and they all branch down from there because they get a lot more complicated.
2: Yeah. I guess it's hard for me to imagine trust as an emotion compared to pride. It's easy for me to imagine someone is feeling, know, prideful, feeling prideful. Right? Well, yeah. think
1: of the moment that someone does something that you're not expecting and something that really like uh, shakes your idea of who they are. Suddenly you don't have trust in this person and it's something that you can't shake.
2: I don't I don't feel I don't feel not trustful anymore. I feel betrayed.
1: Yeah, I feel disgusted. Yeah, and you because you feel betrayed, you no longer have trust. I like for right. Me, like but for tr- for the for me, like I'm coming from a very personal point of view. Like I've I've felt like the ultimate kind of betrayal. Right. Um. Then. Trust is something that I can't like, I can't like go to this person and say, and and make it happen. It's something that now they have done and I no longer have control over my body or mind of what, of how I feel about them. When they say something that they're gonna do, I don't have something inside of me that thinks that they're gonna do that because it's so dependent on um, my memory of who they are. And that is a feeling. Yeah. That's that's my argument. I get what that. you're saying. I. Th- I guess to me, trust elicits
2: other emotions. Like when I feel comfortable around a person, that makes me happy. Or when I don't feel comfortable around a person and I don't have trust for them, I feel betrayed. Right. So I trust feel like is trust... a conduit for other emotions is how I view it.
1: Yeah, and exactly. Like It's a combination of, of other uh, emotions, which is why it ultimately goes into joy. So this discourse, I think, is a perfect representation
0: of why trust didn't make it into the movie. It's very <laughs> hard to convey it trust whether is it an act is it an emotion like how do we view it and that's why i think narrowing it down to these uh emotions that they did pick for the film worked out i like that they did their research and tried some other things do you guys have any ideas on emotions you might have liked to see in this film cuz i thought of stress especially for a young like a teenager i think that that's a that's an element that stress doesn't really appear in your life until you start going to school and you have deadlines and you have Uh, social pressure and all that kind of thing. So I would have liked to see maybe stress appear.
2: I really really like that. that. I like that idea a lot. I always thought disgust didn't really make sense in this movie. I agree with you. I would have liked to see
1: stress instead. I like that more. See, I I like disgust. Um, Disgust is, I I feel like, a really underutilized emotion. Um, and something we just don't talk about in our our day-to-day lives. But it drives so much of what we do. Um, Smells, tastes you know uh, a person's sense of humor like you might have disgust over that and so you don't want to be around them disgust plays a huge there's actually a lot, uh, some research that um suggests that uh there's a disgust factor and that's one of the greater uh, a really good predictor of uh your um political belief system, which which side you fall in, uh, whether left or right. right. The higher level that you have uh, disgust factor, the more left you are. People that are, have a low disgust factor tend to vote more right because they, it, hmm. it's the idea of otherness. Like, they're not, they're concerned with their own world and their, the way they want things, so they have a low disgust factor. So I think disgust is really important. Mm-hmm. But I think stress is expressed in, in fear.
0: Right, and I also think, uh, we'll talk about it more later, Um, sadness and how it it doesn't just mean oh I'm sad right now it is probably also represents like empathy and that's why we'll talk about it more but I think the we get to the mother character and they all have a different emotion that's kind of leading the charge kind of governing their emotions Mm -hmm. and sadness is the one leading hers I don't think it's because the mother is sad all the time I think it's because she's empathetic and so I think that boiling it down to a couple emotions is probably appropriate and makes this movie much more digestible especially for the audience it's meant for and I, that's why I think it totally works. But I do like the idea of like playing with like, oh, how would this movie have looked with... With like envy in it instead of you know a different emotion i I kind of like the idea of
1: playing around with that yeah and just like a few jokes you know or like if some of like again if everything was on top of each other and they were all in a central uh control system that's basically like a a, like a cubicle uh workspace where some don't have as important jobs as the other ones and they're all kind of competing and they don't need to be like bigger characters really it should just be about joy and sadness and everybody else has about an equal sense of weight Um, but they all have little jokes thrown in there for something
0: i kind of like that a lot like they have their own space they work in and like the dad's starting to get mad and they're like wait slow down like we don't want wrath to come out like (laughs) i like that idea oh that's
1: yeah like even levels of emotions right that's really that's really interesting that would be really cool so
0: let's move on to the characters we've discussed you know the ones that exist in this movie let's talk about amy poehler who plays joy i find her to be kind of annoying throughout the movie she's 100 percent on Kind of all the time. And it's <laughs> and it's not until <laughs> Right. And so it's not until later in the movie she starts to realize like the that her role needs to be diminished in order for Riley to mature and become a functioning human being. And so I like that she is starting to recognize that throughout the film and she realizes like this the role that sadness plays. That makes her character much more tolerable in this movie because I it was a little bit of a struggle for the beginning of it. Again, I understand it's a kid's movie, but I was like, okay, we need to have some other character that matters in this movie besides Joy. And that's why I think when Sadness shows up, it helped a lot. I wonder what you guys think of Joy and how she functions in this movie.
2: So y- your problem wasn't with Amy Poehler. It was with Joy's character. No, no, I don't have a problem with Amy oh, Okay. I, I thought, thought she, she did a fun- really good job yeah. in this movie. And uh, Phyllis... Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Smith, who is, uh, so
0: good. she's, uh, famous for her role as Phyllis in the office.
2: (laughs) I liked Joy a lot. I, um, she's really controlling the whole time until she realizes that she doesn't need to be in control. And that's like her little arc.
1: And I I liked it. Right. Yeah. Super one dimensional, not interesting at all. Yep. She's an archetype. We get it. Yep. And, but she doesn't (laughs) even bring it like, she doesn't even bring any of the Pixar humor to her, you know? That's, she doesn't have a lot of jokes. Yeah, no. exactly. That's that's kind of my problem. She gets too much screen time um, for how uninteresting she is. That's what I'm saying about her being 100% on all mm-hmm.
0: the time, and it kind of gets a little you exhausting. Know,
2: I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I but, think that's
1: a fair evaluation, but I think that her her arc is good. It's, it's fine, and uh, when we get more to themes again, I'll explain why I don't love the arc.
0: Okay. And I think that the way she works in the movie makes sense to how we think about our childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for a lot of people, it's like, this is a joyful time. I wasn't worried about anything. I can look back and think of all the fun times I had. Joy is a huge part of those. It's as you start to grow up is when you all these other emotions creep in and you have to deal with more things. Because this really is a coming-of-age story. And so the idea that joy is the dominant emotion for her childhood and has made up all these core memories, it totally makes sense to me. The movie just gets much better the less joy is in it. (laughs) Right. Which is, yeah, hilarious. (laughs) So then let's move on to sadness. Like we said, it's Phyllis Smith. And I really think this character is the entire heart of the movie. It's really understanding how do we deal with sadness and what role does it play in our lives. And it's not always wrong to be sad. Sometimes it helps us grow. And I love the part with Bing Bong where he's sad. And it doesn't matter what joy does. It's not going to change him. It's not till sadness goes over to Bing Bong, lets him kind of cry it out, that he can move on and grow as a character. And I think that's a just, it's a little mini story arc that is really the same message as the movie as a whole. And so I love that. I love the idea of like sadness helps you grow. Like dealing with your emotions is what makes us grow. And that's why sadness is the
1: heart of this
2: movie. Yeah, that whole moment with Bing Bong is, the, that's the point of the whole movie.
1: Yeah, I really hate Bing Bong, but that is like, <laughs> <laughs> that is the point.
2: So I was going to say, uh, Bing Bong has a uh, a flower on his chest that has six colors on it. Have you guys heard this theory that there is actually a sixth emotion? Because there, there's an orange flower petal? No. I have not. Some person on YouTube theorized that there's supposed to be a fury uh, emotion that doesn't exist because he's outlawed or something like that. Just because Bing Bong has this flower with six colors on it. Interesting. I don't know why
1: fury would be orange.
2: Because of where he is on the color spectrum, I guess.
1: But red is more saturated than orange. I know.
0: And I don't know how, how does fury operate any differently than anger does.
2: I don't know. So to It's pick, just a, a YouTube theory that I saw while I was researching. Again, that's why I think it's
0: the writers did a good job boiling it down to like probably essential ones that we need.
2: I still would have liked to see something other than disgust. I think if I listed 30 emotions, disgust would not be one of them.
1: But it's probably one of the more important ones.
2: Probably, but it's not
1: like... Uh, if. It's it not be, how we, it wouldn't be the first thirty, right? It's not how we categorize them, but yeah, it's it's interesting, like how much disgust plays into our daily lives. I mm-hmm.
0: totally agree with you, Calvin. I, I, not until you said that did I realize, like, wow, like, it. it you have like an, a biological imperative to feel disgust, mm-hmm. just to like stay alive, based on what you eat and
2: smell and yeah not even stuff like that not even with your senses like who you hang out with yeah yeah and the movies
1: you watch too because that's the whole point of like i really think that the driving force in horror is disgust because it's death it's um uh disease it's gore um that's that's the heart of horror is uh our fear of death is uh, a factor of disgust
2: yeah yeah you're i'm coming around to it i still don't know if it applies to a
1: 12 year old girl but I mean, I feel like it, especially to a twelve-year-old sure. girl.
0: <laughs> but that's uh, that's Richard Kind who does the voice of Bing Bong. Apparently, the scene where they sing the the song on the uh, on, on the rocket cart. ship. What is it called?
2: Who's your friend who likes to play Bing Bong, Bing Bong?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? A wagon? That's what it is. Oh, Jeez, sorry. dude! I'm searching for the <laughs> word wagon when they when they're taking off in that, and he's recording his lines for that. He like started crying. He got very emotional during it. Apparently, oh. and it was a. Uh, a scene he took very seriously, which I, I appreciate that. Huh. Um, but let's move on to anger. I don't have a ton about anger or fear or disgust in this. The only thing I have to say about anger is it's Lewis Black. Perfect casting.
1: <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. And uh, then Bill Hader for, for, fear, uh, for fear.
2: Yeah, they just exist for, for jokes. Like yeah. anger, every time he's reading the newspaper, it has a funny title about what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's totally like childish. I can't yeah. remember any of them right now. Like, but it's uh, like broccoli served for dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like
2: that. Uh, Riley was on like a voice chat with her friend from Minnesota. And the friend's like, yeah, have you had any earthquakes yet? I hear that there's a bunch out there. And he's reading a newspaper and it says uh, "It says earthquakes are a myth. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. It's, every every time he has a newspaper, yeah. All right. So Minnie Cowling
0: plays Disgust. And she's also an uh, office alumni. So we have more of that in this movie. Again, I don't think she's terribly important. Kind of just there for little jokes. The real story is between sadness and joy. Uh, Do you guys get anything out of these characters besides just like fun little one-liners? Nope. And that's the problem I have with them.
2: I don't get anything out of them except for little jokes. And I think that that's not a problem. All right. I think that that is... That is the point of the characters, and they're not supposed to have big emotional beats, even though they represent emotions because the story is not about them.
1: I don't want them to have emotional beats. I think that you've created a... um a story that is meant to be like a parable that emotions are good in all nuanced sense, but the it just makes fun of all of the, all of the other emotions. None of them serve a good purpose. Disgust isn't there for good things. Fear isn't there for good things. Anger isn't there for good things. And sadness isn't isn't there for good things except for at the end. But it still makes fun of her character even at the end, like even when she's still like lying around. Look how dumb sadness is. The overall arcing uh, uh message is that happiness is and joy is still the way to go through life. It needs to be domineered by joy and everything else is just goofy. Like, yeah, you, know, you can have moments of sadness, but be sure you get back to joy. And that's my biggest problem with it is because I subscribe more to this idea of depressive realism, which we might've m- mentioned on other episodes, but depressed and why I like that the mother has uh, sadness running her control center. The depressive realism is the idea that the world is agony and pain. And the sooner that you actually embrace that, the sooner you can be objective about your world. There's studies that that show people that are sad um, are better at predicting outcomes than people who are happy because they have a more nuanced vision of the world, and they understand that bad things can go that can happen.
0: Without even having any data in front of me, I just think anecdotally that makes so much more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 makes perfect sense. That someone who is capable of dealing with and understanding sadness probably has a better picture of the world around them than someone who just like, oh, everything's working out for me all the time. Like, life is good. So I like that idea a lot. So before we move into the mother and father character, I want to talk a little bit about the shapes that um, these emotions have. So joy is based on a a star. Sadness is based on the shape of a teardrop. Anger is a fire brick. Fear is supposed to be a raw nerve, which is why he's all skinny. And then disgust is supposed to be the shape of broccoli. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Peter Doctor noted that uh, he does like broccoli, however. So I I like that idea a lot. I think that's kind of neat that they, if you do go back and look at it, like they do represent these different shapes. And I think that's kind of a cool little nod to like the character design and the style in this movie. I think that's really neat. Did you say a fire brick? What is that?
1: Like a red big red brick it's just a brick so the there's a different class of brick uh they have a higher um compressive strength and a higher fire rating um they don't uh fire bricks are used specifically for um like pizza ovens got it um you can't use like a just a regular face brick um because it, it can't sustain it can't sustain that constant change in temperature
2: so that's why he's upset when he's like you ruined pizza in new york He's a pizza oven brick.
1: Yeah, he's very familiar with his okay. uh, his usage <laughs> I like in the that. masonry world. I like that tie in a lot. <laughs> <laughs> look
0: at you, when Your construction knowledge came out. My uh, my anatomy knowledge came out. Yeah, uh, this episode so far.
1: I find very very few times to bring in my my day job to <laughs> this. <laughs> Do you think that was the
2: intended joke when they wrote that that pizza a bit? I, yeah.
1: I kind of I kind of <laughs> think it maybe bled off of that. Maybe. I like that idea a lot though. Yeah, m- maybe. I mean, I, who knows? Like. I seriously doubt it. Kids and pizza and anger and broccoli. we've talked about the mother a little bit
0: and how we like the emotion that's kind of governing her, uh, like her day-to-day activity. It's played by Diana Lane. And the other thing I really thought was interesting about the visual of looking into her mind was that it's a, it's a bigger control panel and we get that with Riley later, but I also like that all the emotions were seated and it's supposed to, to me, show that each emotion knows how they operate within this mind and they know how to govern actions in a certain way. Like they're, they're, I want to say kind of set in your ways a little bit like you, she's an adult. She know who she, she knows who she is and i like the idea of just visually representing that by having them seated and not kind of running all over the place like not knowing what to do sometimes the same way riley's emotions are i think that visually yeah. that's a really cool element
2: i think that's the point like riley's still learning how her emotions work so they're kind of competing for control here and there whereas the yeah the adults they're
1: they understand their role and when they need to be used. Well, at the same time, though, they have no idea what they're doing when Joy leaves. So I think they understand their, their structure. They're just, there's just more movement for set pieces when they're not all seated.
0: Right, right. So let's move on to The Father. It's played by Kyle MacLachlan. Did you know that?
1: It was? No. Yeah, from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I did <laughs> and, not recognize his voice at all. I was really surprised I did that. not either. I was too, yeah. I just can't imagine Kyle MacLachlan with a, a mustache. So that really, <laughs> right? the dad having a mustache really throws me off. So I wanted to
0: talk a little bit about, you know, the dinner scene where he's um, visualizing a hockey game in his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we all know that kind of when uh, these movies go out in different markets, you want to have, uh, they, they put in a little visually like different elements into it. So it would appeal to that market a little better. Apparently for international release, it's him watching soccer.
1: That's so strange. like. So did they cut out like all of the hockey stuff then and add in like soccer? Which didn't make any sense to me because she's a hockey player. the The story revolves
0: around Riley, and a big part of that is playing hockey. She has hockey island, so I know they didn't change from what I read they didn't change it to soccer island or anything like that. That would be crazy. but it's just the dad apparently watches soccer that way it was more uh, pandering yeah, more uh, pandering <laughs> more accommodating for an international yeah. release, I guess uh, another thing that was changed for different releases was uh riley's dislike for broccoli in the japanese release it was changed from broccoli to green peppers because it's more uh, disliked among japanese children oh interesting right. So
2: they put that on the pizza
0: i bet i, I wonder if they animated that whole they must have huh
2: that's a big plot point i mean that's like what they uh that's what they modeled discussed after so does she look like a green pepper instead
0: Oh, I bet not that far, but I bet like the, the scene where I bet they put green peppers on pizza yeah. instead of broccoli. Uh, another thing is uh when this film was released, uh anywhere that it was in Hebrew, when Bing Bong reads the words danger from left to right, when it's in Hebrew he reads it from right to left because that's how that language is written. And oh. uh, yeah. So it's just fun little things. I just thought that was a fun little fact to see, like just little changes that went into where it was released in different places.
1: That's funny, because yeah, I feel like in, in some some places they don't care. Like, I've watched uh, a few episodes in uh, of The Good Place in Spanish. And so I, for those of you who haven't seen, like, one of the characters is obsessed with Blake Bortles. Uh, who oh, was, my God. Yeah. Who, who had a, a brief stint as <laughs> maybe a potential future quarterback in the NFL. And he was going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, one of the worst all-time teams, to the Super Bowl. So he's obsessed with him. So, But he was also, like, uh, uh, the character in the show was also a delinquent miscreant and uh, decided to um, throw a Molotov cocktail onto uh, this uh, dude's boat. And in the American version, in English, he says, Bortles, you know, imitating, like, a, a quarterback throwing something. In Spanish, he just says, Thin is a key, which means here you have. Oh, that totally doesn't <laughs> land the yeah. same way at all. Which is like, yeah, it's like they just didn't even try. So I I, I appreciate when things like that, like, you know, there, there are some things like culturally, do we need to change things like that? Like, do we need to change like our, our, uh, the implications of, of gayness of some characters to markets that are not as... Uh, oh,
0: for sure. I think that that's appalling. Yeah. Will, like remove things in the hopes that it will
1: draw a bigger box office and not offend another culture like who who see those things as as disgust.
0: it makes it feel like you don't trust in your own art and what you're putting out right which is awful to me this movie didn't do that i don't think it was just Mm -hmm. trying to make it more relevant to that culture like like a japanese kid won't understand broccoli being on pizza they would understand green peppers being on pizza better that's like a cool element to this what you're saying i think is totally different i hate Mm. the changing of like kind of your narrative in general to pander to a different audience. I
2: think that's awful.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, so a little question for you guys about the parents' emotions. They have uh, characteristics to match the parent. Like the mother's emotions have the same hairstyle as the mom and the dad's emotions have little mustaches. It always bothered me that Riley's emotions don't look like Riley. Like they don't all have blonde hair and jeans or anything like that. Did that ever bother you guys? Cause I wish that they looked like Riley.
1: Yeah, I feel like that. that I feel like that. Ha- that's happened in uh, several shows for me before. Like, here's your stock characters, and or here are the characters, the main ones, and they all look like this. And then to make the joke that everybody else is different and monolithic, it doesn't really it doesn't really land for me. I would rather everything either just be, well, I don't know. Like, it's it's clearly not the point, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those moments where it kind of takes you out of the uh, the funness of of uh, of a movie that's supposed to be fun.
0: Yeah. I, when I look at it, I think that Riley's emotions are the characters that are the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with there being a differentiation between them and like hairstyle and the way they act and the way they look. Whereas Riley's parents are not, and their emotions are not the subject of this movie. So it's a fun joke to have them all have a mustache. Sure. It's a fun joke to have them all have the same hair. But if joy looks just like Riley and sadness looks just like Riley... I think you miss out on the point of these being different characters that we're supposed to gravitate towards Mm -hmm. and understand are different. I think it just doesn't work as well. Mm -hmm. I understand your point totally. I I think continuity-wise, it makes more sense for them to look like Riley. But in terms of narrative, it makes more sense for me to understand the differences between these characters if they look different.
2: Yeah, yeah, I get that. The emotional growth of the emotions in Riley's head is kind of the point of the movie. So the fact that they don't look like immature emotions with like children's t-shirts and you know jeans and stuff that like only kids wear not the parents or whatever that would be another way to get across that these emotions are young and they're still learning which is just a little thing that i thought yeah they have don't been interesting
1: yeah and they don't sound like they've been chain smoking for the last 60 years <laughs> <Right>. okay because <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what lewis black sounds like oh okay. he so does. yeah
0: <laughs> but no that's a that's a great question it's something i'd not thought of but i think they made to me, I think they made the right choice to keep them kind of their own characters because, I mean, realistically, Riley is not the main character
2: of this movie. She's not. No, she's a, she's a plot vice.
1: Right. I so, kind of wish they had kept the colors but changed their shapes a little bit as a as a, a reflection of how these emotions are different expressed differently in other people. Yeah. They'll ultimately have different things that set them off or different uh, shapes of disgust.
2: Yeah, I wish the parents' emotions didn't look uh, the way they do. Like mm-hmm. Like the parents, I wish they just... Look the way that they do in Riley's. Oh, I think that's a great joke. It's a funny <laughs> bit, but great. when you think about it, the the problem is I laughed at it a lot. And then I watched the movie a second time. And I was like, but Riley's emotions don't look like her. Mm-hmm. But yeah it's still a funny joke i watched it the other day and i still laughed at it yeah it's still i
1: think it's just an interesting talking point i don't think that like it'll ultimately it ultimately says anything or takes away from the moment but i it's just like fun getting in the head of a creator and thinking about like what would i have done there and is this really accomplishing the point i'm Mm -hmm. trying to make Mm -hmm.
0: so again let's dive deeper into this movie let's figure out some of the themes here i mentioned before i think this is a coming of age story. It's how do we deal with emotions? How do we understand the vulnerability we have as we grow older? So we go through a lot of events as we grow up that really kind of throw you off and we kind of lose pillars of who we are. And I think that's represented really well in this movie with like kind of you have your like key memories and then you have the different structures that represent the things that matter to Riley. They slowly start to crumble away as she loses her sense of self and i think all of that is like depicted really well and to me that's that's really the point of this movie that's the theme we're going for here so i wonder what do you guys what what do you what do you take away from this movie what is important to you
1: like for themes i think that the whole idea is that you can't just be happy all the time there're going to be low moments where you have to where you have to deal with something but the film does a poor job at making sadness seem like it's important uh or that it can give you a nuanced view of your world. Like I think it does kind of do that, but mostly through the the visual element of all of the memory orbs having different like multiple colors within one thing. Do you um, want a fun fact about the memory
0: orbs? Yeah. There are parts where I think sadness is being drugged through and <laughs> you can see some of the memories that are playing. Some of them are from the wedding and up, implying that Riley is somehow related or... The family is friends with um, Carl and his wife from up. Really? Yeah.
2: I didn't know that. That's a funny Easter egg.
1: That's crazy. How is that possible though? It doesn't know. feel like that would... <laughs> it doesn't feel possible. <laughs> so I, I
2: feel like there
0: there are there are several channels, I feel like, on YouTube and video essays that explain how these are all interconnected. Yeah, I've heard i that feel too. And I feel like there's some mental gymnastics you go through to try and figure that out. What I honestly think is it's just people who work on these same movies over and over again, and they just like to add fun elements from their other movies, just little things that you can grab and be like, oh, I didn't notice that. That's all I think it is. But I think it's funny to think of an implication of riley being maybe related to carl or something like that i think that's that's kind of a fun little thing even though the idea of a big floating balloon house doesn't fit into kind of the real world themes of this movie
1: i think it does still my my issue with it would would have been that they would have gotten married in the 50s and this movie would be happening and this (laughs) would would be happening in the 60s maybe she watched a a
0: vhs
1: yeah (laughs) all right i'm sold right <laughs> that's
0: just a fun little a fun fact i i didn't realize when i watched it I, I i looked it up but then i like saw on youtube like the scene and yeah it's it's definitely a little clip from their wedding i just think it's a fun little fact i love the little memories i'll have to keep
2: an eye out for that that's interesting
1: yeah i would just so my thing then is just i would rather see moments where one of them is chiding joy you know like where anger is like well no we're kind of you know, we're kind of upset about this right now. Um, We should look at this a little more nuanced. Or a moment where sadness, one of them says something that uh, isn't just a joke or isn't just like, oh, stupid, disgust emotion. We need to be happy all the time. That's really my problem with it is that the overarching implication is that you need to be happy all the time if you're going to be an American because that is a very American quality that we're just always happy and on all the time.
0: I agree with that. Do you think that that's maybe a little too heavy for a movie that I think is really designed for 11, 12, 13 year olds.
1: No, I don't think so because you are talking about just at the end where they where they have all of those nuanced emotions and memories and things are happening and they can just be like, um, they can all be working together as a team, not joy, uh, controlling everything and being the only voice of reason the fact that joy is the only voice of reason is really my problem with this movie is because she doesn't seem to have really learned a whole lot in terms of what the narrative is saying how their dynamic works
0: you know in the closing credits where it goes through different
1: characters and what's going
0: on in their head yeah i kind of wish there was one where joy was controlling it and the character like the person is super annoying (laughs) because i kind (laughs) of think someone who's like overjoyed is not a person i really want to be around very often. Yeah,
1: like that's the critique that that i have is like in in um we have this idea of toxic positivity where if you're just always happy all the time, want to be happy all the time, want to be around people that are happy all the time, you're ultimately living a a very shallow life. I don't think that it's a good way to live at all. And again, like, like what we were saying with depressive realism, you're not getting a good picture of how you actually function within the world. You're not. Right. You don't have an objective sense of how the world works and your place in it. I think it would work to have someone who
0: is joy all the time to show that joy cannot be the only emotion that governs you. It cannot be your main emotion because that is an exhausting person to be around. It's an exhausting person to
1: be. You know what a really cool idea I think would be is if we don't have all of the family stuff, but let's say that we have two characters like riley and, and her best friend and somehow a couple of their emotions get swapped body swapped and now they have to deal with a new team that they're not in charge of whereas the other person uh did have like let's like say let's say their joys got sw- got swapped and sadness is the one that's normally controlling this one and joy is used to controlling riley you, you understand that Yeah, to
0: see like kind of the juxtaposed nature of the two kind of control systems and how they a... would,
1: yeah, how they would work together. And now this new joy who is not used to being in charge is in charge of Riley and everyone keeps looking to her for what to do. That is exactly the kind of movie I think that they were trying to make out of this, but they've done it in so many different ways. We want to we make a family drama. We want to talk about uh, emotions as an allegory for, or uh, a metaphor for children. And we want to visually represent all of the elements of the mind. And they decided to pack that all into 90 minutes. That's why this mo- movie doesn't land so much for me is that it's trying to do too many things. Whereas if they had body swapped like Joys into something else, I think that would have been way more to the, what the main message of the movie was. I think that totally works because that's so kooky
0: and fun that like a kid would be into that. I don't even think that that's like that's not so conceptually far off from what, like I said, because I think this movie is designed for like 11, 12, 13 year old. That's not something that is beyond comprehension. I think that that is an excellent idea. I actually like that version of this movie better than what we got in Inside Out. Despite really liking Inside Out, mm.
2: I think it would be really easy to do too many things with the body swap idea like that. But it would make for like a really fun sequel for this movie. Yeah, I would like to see that movie a lot. But I think it would be easy for it to become like it's saying too many things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, this movie's to...
2: saying too many things. I'm surprised you say that.
1: It's not that it's saying too many things; it's trying to be too many things and do too many things and go too many places that we ultimately don't say a whole lot. Really? Yeah. Huh. But I do, I do agree. Like that, you could bite off a lot more. You could chew than you could chew if you did a body swap. It needs to be, it needs to keep uh, everything, I think, within their control centers mm-hmm. and not going around the 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 world um, of the mind. But you can make the control center, I think, a little bit bigger, like an office cubicle, and like how these teams work together and how they come to decisions. I think that would be a lot of fun. But there is a there is a possibility of this turning into Freaky Friday, uh, emotion swap.
0: This is a great platform to move on to a series i think where it's like how does uh, like anger run his wing of uh, of emotion and how does joy run her wing of emotion and and how do they all operate together i love that idea like monsters inc just recently did a little uh side project on disney plus where it's kind of a small department that works within monsters inc and i love that idea of like There should be an Inside Out series. I would love that. I think it'd be great.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did a whole Doug series, and there's not a lot of material to mine there. Right. (laughs) Are you talking about Doug from Nickelodeon? No, I'm talking about Doug from Up. Oh, you're so right. I forgot forgot Doug the dog. Oh, my God, we're old. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it he he dresses up as quail man you remember that yeah i remember
1: quail man. he's got a belt Gosh. on his head oh my <laughs> god yeah it is underwear on the outside yeah oh yeah i forgot that oh, would be yeah. a
2: neat show though i would watch that an inside out show mm. and then they could flesh out the characters more because yeah because anger disgust and fear don't mean anything but in a tv show they could be fleshed out
1: yeah and they're important emotions which is why we all have them they're very helpful for you know biological uh, continuity yeah there's which is, a reason they're still there which
2: is another reason why a sequel would be really cool for this because they had to spend a lot of time developing a world in this movie but if a sequel came out and it was about anger and riley's going through puberty and she's mad at the world and it's about anger and disgust because she just can't be comfortable with herself like that would be a neat a neat way for the movie to go
0: yeah, yeah. i think it could teach valuable lessons like like as you grow up like how do we deal with like how do we deal with going to a new school which this movie kind of tackles for sure you know, uh, yeah, it kind of touches for a second. But, but, but yeah. like you said, like, how do you deal with puberty? How do you deal with making new friends? I think you could have a lot of cool messages yeah. in each episode. I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah.
1: And that's like yeah, what yeah. I think about like Pixar. Like there, the, a lot of it, a lot of them, there are messages, but it's really about the feelings. Like obviously Up is about suicide, but it's really. <laughs> <Stop>. like, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think
1: I would rather see an Inside Out TV show
2: over another season of Hawkeye. I agree. Okay, yeah. I agree. With that I really like Hawkeye, though. But yeah, I, I think a
1: lot of the messages in in uh, Pixar mo- movies are codified with emotions. It was why this one doesn't land for me is because the emotions are kind of there, but the message is not is really sloppy. There's there's a better way of doing it.
2: That's so interesting. The whole message of the movie is there's a time and a place for your emotions, and it's not always correct to just be happy all the time. Right. And you think that that was delivered
1: sloppy i just don't think that that it lands all the way because um joy is such a good thing in riley's life all the time and everyone wants to be happy you really have to tackle the american ideal of constant happiness i think you need to beat
0: down joy more in this movie to really drive the point home more Mm -hmm. and i also think that the i think that the message works in this movie but i get where calvin's coming from because i think you really need to you need to make, make joy much less important in this movie I, I think if you so. I think I, if you make the climax about sadness getting back home to the control center and less about joy getting sadness back home to the control center those have two different implications I- impacts yeah mm. to even though it's like meeting the same goal but if it's like if it's sadness realizing that she needs to get back in order to get Ra- uh, Riley back on track and not joy realizing that she needs to get sadness back to get Riley back on track
2: yeah, I think those have two different meanings which is really Ooh. interesting because I think Sadness deep down knows that she should be at the wheel right now because she's touching the memories and she's touching the control panel and Joy's like Sadness what are you doing don't touch that and she's like I don't know I'm sorry I didn't mean to I don't know what's going on I think it's because Sadness has never been at the wheel before because it's a new thing for her but deep down she knows that she should be the one controlling Riley at this moment in her right. life which yeah. I always thought was that's not something I picked up until I watched this just the other day and I thought that was cool
1: yeah, and another thing I think you could do instead of, like, uh, uh, if you want to keep everything basically the same, have Joy be the only one that gets sucked through the tube. So Joy has to go learn about all the rest of the brain and how she fits into it. I like And that. suddenly, Sadness is thrust into the seat of power, and she's the one that, like, everyone is looking to because they don't know how to control anything. But Sadness has read all of the manuals, knows how the brain works that is an amazing idea if that it's all see that's the thing it's like it's a lot of times i watch a movie and i just get this sense of like why don't i like this all that much and then when we finally start talking about oh it's because they laid all of this out but they decided i feel like this might have been a thought at one point but they went in a different direction with some of this stuff and left it in because it's so expensive um to reshoot something
2: so instead joy would learn these lessons with bing bong and then make her way back to the to headquarters
1: and realize that sadness had kept everything intact. So, if
2: sadness, if sadness had been at the wheel controlling Riley, would Riley still have come up with the idea to run away? Would they still have done that?
0: I think you can still have like the whole shutdown. I think that's the most maybe, important maybe, part. Maybe you became because people become overwhelmed with sadness and it shuts you down. And she yeah. makes
1: that decision like we need to shut down for a moment and take like we're not going to feel anything. And then to get back up. Um, uh and maybe yeah that one's tough that that one would be i like that idea but there's a lot there's a lot more nuance there to be to me mind and i think your
0: your callback to all the manuals she's been reading works out and is more impactful if it leads to her being at the control panel to write the ship much more than it is used later on where it's like, oh, like I know the location of this thing and we can go to this place because I read the manual. I like that idea a lot, Calvin. And that's why these discussions are wonderful. I'd never thought about that. That is an excellent idea.
2: So I think, one of the, I think the most important development point for Joy is when she's in like the void with all the memories and she realizes that sadness is okay because she's like clutching all the memories and her girl is changing. She's becoming sad. And that's her most important point. And that's when she realizes that sadness is useful so you could still have that moment if sadness isn't there because she has that moment with Bing Bong.
0: Calvin is nodding emphatically. We've, yeah. we've, 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 we 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 solved the movie. We, we solved it. It. We yeah. it. Yeah. We fixed. Nailed it. we fixed it. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> I'm sure this is everyone's favorite Pixar movie and you didn't think it needed to be fixed, but well, you're wrong. I don't
2: I don't know if this movie is inferior to this theoretical movie we're proposing. I still like how this movie puts sadness enjoy together and they have to learn that they are both useful at different times
1: yeah it's just i just feel like too many times like sadness being the butt of the joke and all of their interactions if there had been a bit a better relationship between the two then totally you can keep this the, the way it is but so often she's just dragging sadness around because sadness is useless ha ha right like that's a really poor joke they think to teach kids even though it is funny
2: i think by the end of the movie they show children that like it's okay to be sad sometimes though which is the point.
0: Yeah. Really.
1: Mm-hmm hmm it's just too much it's not it's not equal to me
2: i
0: am shocked we okay. have had probably a deeper discussion on inside out than many of more thought-provoking films that we have reviewed on this podcast this is a this is a really good yeah. this movie is movie incredibly thought-provoking
2: yeah, yeah. This, this is in my, this is one of my top three favorite pixar movies this this is a very thought-provoking movie
1: yeah number two is the, the theoretical inside out we just came up with No, it's definitely. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think that's the thing about like why I was talking about in up why Pixar movies are so important is because they're they're the most culturally relevant ways we teach kids the uh, these deeper emotions these these more nuanced ways of looking at life and that's why there is so much to look at them is because they really understand the human element and they put them in these nice cute little kids kids movies um that kids can unpack as they get older even and why adults cry at them is because they realize oh wow like it's tough being a kid man it sucks being human like that's kind of the thing i see sometimes i watched this again with hannah and she got pretty teared up during it i mean it is
0: and i brought up that i think this movie like personally impacted me and that's why i i watched this when i was like 25 the first time and it was me and a bunch of Navy boys and we were like, Oh my God, the movie is so good. (laughs) My (laughs) eyes water when I watched this too. Yeah. It mattered. You can watch this.
2: Yeah. It's easy to relate to. It's easy to relate to being 12 years old and having your parents get divorced or you have to move or some big life altering event. And it's something that people tell you is like put on a string, like a strong face and just get through it, you know, but it's important to let it out sometimes. And I think that's the whole point of this movie. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that's a great final thought. uh, Do you have any more to elaborate on that? Because I think we're getting close to wrapping this up. But I I think that that's a really good point you made. And I think that really speaks to the message of the whole movie.
2: No, that's definitely the the whole point. And that's what I I connected to. I, I wasn't a child when I saw this the first time. But as an adult, seeing how these life events can impact you and how you can handle them. Even as an adult, that means something to me. Perfect. And that's why this has always been one of my favorite Pixar movies. And it's easy its easy to relate to as an adult even. On a scale of one to ten triple mint gum, where do you put this? <sighs> yes. Can I say something about the gum before, before I sure. get my rating? So I was listening to the soundtrack today before I came over here. And the credits soundtrack, at the end of it, it plays the triple dent gum tune. Right. Like a last little attempt to get it stuck in your head as a viewer. <laughs> I love that. It's really funny. <laughs> uh i give it five this this movie is so good to me a five out of ten a ten out of ten sorry i thought oh, it was out okay. of five gums no five gum no it's, it's triple mint gum <laughs> triple mint triple <laughs> dent I'm, i give it a triple out of triple, it's triple dent. yeah
0: when i looked it up it said triple mint gum no i'm pretty sure it's triple dent i'm pretty it's, sure it's
1: triple dent because it's dent? making no. the it's making no. a pun of trident i thought it was, was
0: making a pun of double mint gum
2: which is a real brand. Ooh, it could be either of those. I give it a 10 out of 10. Okay, perfect. This movie means a lot to me, and I don't expect that rating to go down ever.
1: Yeah, Inside Out, all triple dent gum commercial scenes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Triple dent gum commercial. Triple dent gum jingle one hour, Disney Pixar's Inside Out.
0: Ooh. All right, and in podcast correction. Thank you for that. Before
2: we do our final thoughts, can I ask you guys one question? For sure. So the dreams that Riley has are in the first person. The memories she has are from the exterior. You can see her in her memories. (gasps) Wow. I always thought it would be interesting if there was this movie where you don't see Riley and everything is from the first person. You go the whole movie and you don't see her because Mm -hmm. her memories are from the first person. How do you guys think this movie would be if you never saw outside of Riley's body?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly w- one of the ways I would fix fix this. Do you is, think it would be
2: superior to what we get?
1: I think that you would have to focus more on making these characters nuanced and not archetypes. Okay. If you wanted to keep the Pixar charm, there needs to be growth. There needs to be understanding. There needs to be better relationships between the two. They just didn't have to work on that all that much because they had the family element where there was a real, a real drama playing out there and people changing and understanding. Mm-hmm. If you don't see anything, then you have to, if you don't see anything outside of the control center, outside of the brain, then yeah, I, I think it's a superior movie. It's another version of what I would think that this movie could be improved.
2: I think you could still have like the the family drama and her stealing money from her mom's wallet and all that stuff from the first person. Right. It would it would be a different feeling movie to go the whole time and not know what Riley looks like.
0: I think in a way it becomes less understandable and accessible to the audience it was meant for. Mm-hmm. I think for me it would I would be worse for children. I think yeah, I think for me I would totally get it and that makes a lot of sense for mm-hmm. me. But I think the idea of seeing a person act out on screen probably lands better for the audience it was meant for. Yeah. So I understand the direction they went. I find what you said to be very interesting and I think I would get it. I don't know that it would work well for the audience it was meant for, yeah. or even like even younger kids. Because again, I, I think this is like a pre-teen movie. But I still think, you know, somebody who's like eight or nine, it would maybe resonate or fit better if they got to see Riley act. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Oh. I would like to live in an alternate universe where a version of this movie gets made where there's you like, do see Riley.
1: There's like four different versions of Inside Out. Yeah, They're all made by the different directors. I just I'd think that's that
2: a fascinating out. idea. I would love yeah. to see that.
1: I think that, I, I, I don't know, I think that would be better for children and for kids um, to actually see something... From someone else's viewpoint i think they would get it i think it would be the first it would be challenging for some of mm-hmm. them but i think it would land i think they still would have made 850 million dollars <laughs> yeah so it would
2: also put more weight on the emotions so there would be more there would be more weight on developing them as characters so anger disgust and fear wouldn't just be punchlines. there would be more there would be more pressure put on them to actually be developed i i agree with you yeah, i don't yeah. think that's a bad idea at all i think everything we've come up with either makes the movie as good as it already is or improves on things that we think needed to be improved on Mm -hmm. but i like that idea a lot i at least wish that the memories were in the first person i think that like the the funny memories of her goofing around with her parents or shooting her first goal i think you could do all of those in the first person and convey the same emotions and it would it would make sense still it wouldn't make as much sense for children so maybe because i'm an adult i would make sense of it but children would struggle
0: the point you're making is actually more accurate. The memory should be from her point of view. Mm-hmm. Like
2: mm-hmm. It, it, actually doesn't make sense that they are in a third person perspective. That or the uh, the dreams that she has are outside of her body. That would have been funny too. Yeah,
0: I like that idea a lot. That was a great question to pose. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. Anyways, ten out of ten stars. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, wait, tri- wait, sorry, ten out of ten triple dents.
0: Yeah, triple, tri- dent, tri- triple dent gum. Triple dent gums. All right, Calvin, where do you put
2: this one?
1: You know, like I was saying, I think there's a, there are multiple better versions that. Um, keep keep the spirit of it provide a better message and uh i don't know maybe make joy a little less annoying um Mm -hmm. uh, i think there's a i think that's one of the things i i think this is the only pixar movie that doesn't really make me cry um i guess i guess the first toy story doesn't really do that either what about luca I haven't seen Luca yet. That's a so.
0: Pixar movie I just dog on all
2: the time. That's that movie is so mediocre. It's not that good. Still uh.
1: haven't still haven't seen it. Maybe maybe I'll cry at that one, or maybe it'll be even lower. But I still think that this is probably the most inferior uh, Pixar movie. Um, because yeah, it's not it's not as human as I feel like most other Pixar movies are, even though they've made movies about toys. I think the toys are more human than human emotions.
2: That is such a weird sentence to say, but I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah. I I put this at a 6.8. Did you
2: like this movie more than Up?
1: No. Okay. I think Up I think Up is better. Um Yeah, even though, you know, it's obviously suicide is a tough subject. Stop, dude. <laughs>
0: <sighs> so for me, uh, like I said, this movie really I I, I used the term earlier like met me where I was at what I mean by that is it met me where I knew I had felt before and I know that there were times in my life where I had shut down when I was younger and I was growing up and going through a hard time and so for me that's why this movie always like really resonated to me and I I found it impactful and again I brought up you know I saw this on deployment with my buddies and so I have a I have really fond memories of this movie and so it's always going to be hard for me to distinguish just like uh, nostalgia and joy and love for this movie based on the situation i was in when i saw it apart from critically thinking about it but after talking about it more like there, there definitely are issues with this movie that being said i still give it the seven out of ten uh triple dent gum i thought it was great <laughs> i love this movie uh so with that i want to thank mckinnon for being a guest on the show again you're welcome and as always i've got calvin with me and uh please uh find our podcast on any platform that you want to find one on like uh, itunes music or spotify we also upload all these to youtube so please leave a comment tell us what we're doing well tell us what we're doing wrong and go ahead and leave a suggestion on a movie we should do in the future i thought this was pretty good it, it suggests another pixar movie because apparently we we took a lot of time diving really deep into this one and i thought it was a lot of fun
2: i would yeah. love to do more
1: pixar movies yeah i'm down to do more pixar movies uh As long as we don't have to watch any more Christopher Nolan. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) So thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.